Hello and how are you? It is another day. I pray that you've had a good day. Uh, if you're just waking up, I pray that your day goes well. This is Alice um, coming to you again from Total Health Academy, where we talk about all things Total Health. Uh, today, we have another disease that we're going to dissect and look at it. And today's topic is endometrial cancer. Endometrial cancer, it is also known as uterine cancer. So this is a type of cancer that begins in the uterus. The uterus is um, a harrow or pear-shaped pelvic organ where babies develop. So it is this condition only affects women or um, women who bear or who have a uterus. Um, so endometrial cancer begins in the layer, like the uterus has like, um, it's a muscle and it has the inner lining. It also has a middle muscle and then it has the outer lining so that muscle um that makes the whole u uh, uterus because it's like um what can i call it it's it's like an orphan you know it's an oven where babies incubate until they are ready to come to this world so there is lining um the inner lining is called endometrium um the middle muscle is called myometrium, and the outer one, I'm not sure what the outer one is called, um, whatever it's called. Um, so the endometrium is where this cancer starts. That's the inside lining of the uterus. There are other types of um, cancers that affect the uterus, like uh, uterine sarcoma, but we're not going to talk about that today. And it's also, it's much less common though. Um, endometrial cancer is the most common cancer of the uterus. So endometrial cancer is usually de detected early um, for most people. It usually doesn't surprise people because with it, there is abnormal vaginal bleeding. So when people have it, they do um, have uh, abnormal vaginal bleeding. So this one doesn't catch you by surprise like something like um, ovarian cancer. That one is a little bit hard to detect. And there is also, there is no test for ovarian cancer. You know, it's not like uh, you can go get a pap smear and get it. But even with endometrial cancer, really, it's not detected with a pap smear. Pap smear is just for cervical cancer. Um, there are few organs that make up the female reproductive um, health. That is the ovaries, the fallopian tubes, the suffix, the vaginal canal, and the uterus. So this type of cancer, endometrial cancer, affects the uterus. That's where babies um, incubate and grow. Signs and symptoms of this disease, vaginal bleeding. Most of the time, 
um after you know if you have vaginal bleeding after menopause this is when you have passed the um, menstruation age you know um uh, at the age of uh, 52 53 if you have vaginal bleeding that is a concern and that needs to be checked out by the doctor if you haven't reached menopause and you're having bleeding between periods uh, that is an indication that something is not right. That is where you have bleeding. Maybe um, you have your menstrual period and then maybe a week later you're still, you're, you're, you start bleeding again. Or a week after your menstrual period you start bleeding again. That is what that means. Bleeding between periods. Also pelvic pain. You know, some people have pelvic pain and um, that is an indication that something is wrong. So if any of these three signs happen or if you're experiencing them, it is good to have it checked right away. Um, go to your doctor. If the signs have been persistent, like if it happens just one time in a month and it doesn't happen again, well, maybe it's not a concern to worry about. But if the condition is persistent, um, you need to be checked out. So, yeah, because you, you, you don't want it to turn out to be um, cancer and you wait too long and it starts spreading to the inner muscle, the myometrium or the outside um, lining of the uterus, which is called, um, I think it's called serosa, serosa area or serosa whatever they call it. Anyway, um, risk factors for this uh, disease. Most of the risk factors they have um, uh, documented, some of them um, are on point, but some of them are not. So let's go through them. Um, changes in the balance of hormones. The hormones we talk about are female hormones, estrogen, and progesterone. Fluctuation in the balance of these hormones can cause changes in the endometrium. And actually, those changes are the changes that causes the lining of the uterus to shed. That's what causes the menstrual cycle and the bleeding, you know, the period bleeding. Um, so hormonal imbalances, a condition that will promote more estrogen to be produced and less progesterone can put someone at risk for endometrial cancer. The actual title for that condition is actually called estrogen dominance. And most people who have this also have PMS or PMDD. This is where their mood is changing according to their menstrual cycle and they can actually look like they have bipolar you know hormonal imbalance can be um detrimental to our health but um there is a root cause for why your hormones will be out of work uh, why they will be imbalanced there is something going on in your life that is causing that so usually the way i look at things i like for someone to go to the doctor and get an actual diagnosis. Because if you come with an accurate diagnosis and uh, I do um, a root cause analysis, I may look at your history. 
um, other issues that have bothered you along the way, other medical diseases, and also look at your family history. And then I'm able to pinpoint, I can tell you exactly what's causing the problem and, and how to fix it also. So with estrogen dominance, it can put you at risk for endometrial cancer. Um, that's when you're making too much estrogen and very little progesterone. And other things like mood disorders will be accompanied with it. That's why I like to do a root cause analysis. Now, the other issues that you might see when somebody is having hormonal imbalance is a condition that's called PCOS. That is um, where uh, somebody is having either irregular periods. PCOS is a short name for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Uh, somebody is um, making eggs. The ovaries are making eggs, but they are not releasing them. So they look like cysts. And sometimes because of the hormonal imbalance, they will be released all at once. So the periods are very, very heavy uh, and they are very irregular also. Another issue you might see with this is obesity. But I'll tell you, uh, to me, obesity is not what people think it is because, um, you know, people, people think that obesity is a food issue, but it's not. Uh, another condition that you might see with hormonal imbalance is diabetes. Um, and also another rare ovarian tumor that is called stromotumors that may secrete excessive estrogen. That one is rare. And most of the time, a whole lot of people don't have that. But it, it is a risk factor because if you have um, stromotumors that are secreting estrogen and, and you have very little um, progesterone, it can put you at risk for endometrial cancer. So we are still talking about risk factors for endometrial cancer. The other one they have in the textbook is um, more years of menstruation. Let me explain that. When uh, a, a woman starts menstruating very early in their life, like before the age of 11, and then they don't stop until later, like the medium age for menopause is 51 years old. So let's say a woman starts menstruating before the age of 11, and they don't go into menopause until 55 years. So they've had more years of having menstrual periods and so their uterus per textbook the uterus is exposed to uh, more estrogen the more periods uh, a person has uh, the more exposure the endometrium has to estrogen according to science so i don't know how all that works i know it's not a good something is wrong for you to have um your menstrual cycle earlier than it's supposed to come. You know, I've known uh, young girls who had their menstrual cycles at nine years old. That is way too young. So if something like that happens and then they're not going into menopause until many um, years later, <laughs> you know, 55, 56, that, that, that something is wrong with that, you know? And when something is wrong like that, something else might happen because something is already wrong. Um, the, we're still talking about risk factors. Never being pregnant. 
Now, this one, I would like to do a little bit deep dive into it to find out what is going on with the woman. Is it that she couldn't get pregnant? Did she want to have children but could not get pregnant? Because that is caused by something different. Versus a woman who can have children, but they choose not to. See, something else is going on. But not having been pregnant can put a woman at risk for endometrial cancer. So I would like to do a deeper dive with them. Um, another risk factor they have in the textbook, and this one I totally disagree with it, is old age, older age. Yes, it is true that endometrial cancer it normally affects women after menopause for most part. But age is not the risk factor because then if age was a risk factor, all women who are um, postmenopausal would come down with the endometrial cancer. But we know that there are many women who don't come out with the disease, even in their old age. So I, I don't agree with um, age, but age is listed as a risk factor for endometrial cancer. Obesity. Now, this is another one I would like to do a deep dive on. They say that excessive body fat alters the, um, the body's balance of hormones. But actually, I think it's the other way around. You know, it is the other way around. Altered hormonal balance causes excessive body fat. Did you hear that? Um, my, this is my fashion of the story. Altered hormonal balance causes excessive body fat. That's what I think. The textbook says that excessive body fat alters the balance of the hormones. Um, I would like to do a deep dive into this one to find out why somebody is um, uh, overweight, why they are obese, because there are so many causes of obesity. And it's not necessarily that the person is overeating, but if they are, if they are overeating and not exercising, there is something that's making them do that. So uh, that one will be, you're looking at, when you look at somebody who is obese, you're looking at a symptom of a much deeper issue. So I would like to do a deep dive into that, but obesity um, is a risk factor for endometrial cancer. Now, hormonal therapy for breast cancer, I think this is so important. Uh, there are women who have had breast cancer and they are put on uh, hormonal therapy for an extended period of time, a drug like tamoxifen um, to prevent um, estrogen causing um, leakalins of breast cancer. Say if somebody had breast cancer that was estrogen receptor positive or even progesterone i don't know but mostly i find with estrogen receptor positive breast cancer sometimes the doctor will put them on tamoxifen and when they get put on that drug it kind of puts them on an artificial kind of menopause that is a risk factor for endometrial cancer so if you have to be on tamoxifen for an extended period of time, it is probably better to discuss this with your doctor to um, talk about the risks and the pros and cons of being on that drug. Um, I know cancer is scary and nobody wants to get it. So if it can be prevented with a drug, uh, you know, most people would consider doing that. But 
this is another issue I would like to do a deep dive into because um, there, there are some areas and some problems I see with um, cancer prevention because um, we think it's being caused by estrogen, but what is causing the estrogen dominance? What is causing the, uh, the hormonal imbalance? You know, I like to dig deeper into these issues to find out what is going on uh, instead of just putting someone on a pill and say, take this, it will prevent something. So I like to do a deep dive and I like to get to the root cause of something. Now we're still talking about um, risk factors of endometrial cancer. Another risk factor will be inherited colon syndrome. This is a syndrome that increases the risk of colon cancer and other cancers. And the other cancers also include endometrial cancer. Um, this condition is actually called Lynch syndrome, Lynch syndrome. So again, if it's something is inherited, I would like to do a deep dive into that because we are not supposed to be inheriting diseases from anyone. So that is an abnormal thing to happen. And there is actually a way to stop inherited diseases, but you gotta know how. So, um, that one I would like to do a deep dive if somebody has a condition like that. Uh, I will tell you at the end of this podcast how you can get a hold of me. Uh, diagnosis of endometrial cancer. Uh, normally, if you have some of the signs that I talked about, um, bleeding, um, bleeding after menopause, vaginal bleeding after menopause, uh, bleeding between periods, uh, having pelvic pain, um, those kind of things. You need to go to the doctor and the doctor needs to do some things to find out what's going on. So the first thing the doctor will probably do is a pelvic exam. You know, most women are familiar with that. Um, after the pelvic exam, they might want to do a vaginal ultrasound just to look um, and see. The vaginal ultrasound uses sound waves to create like a video image of your uterus to see whether there is fibroids, uh, what's going on with your uterus, if there is any cysts, um, it, and the, also looking at the uterine wall. Uh, they might also do something else like um, a hysteroscope. hysteroscopy um, is another procedure they could do it lasts like five to ten minutes some women say it's very painful but if you have a good technician who can do it um they know how to help you calm down and they can do it um and you know they can reassure you so it don't have to be that uncomfortable but this one they insert um a scope into your uterus and they can look at the endometrium the first layer of your uh, uterus, and they can also look at um the fallopian tubes and see what's going on with that. Um, endometrial biopsy is another thing that the doctor could do. This is where they get a biopsy of the uh, lining of the uterus and take it to the lab for analysis. If they don't get enough tissue or they're not able to get enough tissue with the endometrial biopsy, they can do something that's called a DNC or deletation and culetage um, to get 
to scrape the lining of the uterus and examine it at a microscope for cancer cells. So those are some of the things that they could do um, for diagnostic workup. Now, once they detect cancer cells, um, when the diagnosis for endometrial cancer is done, they will do other tests to make sure that it hasn't spread to other areas. So a chest x-ray could be done um, looking at your chest to make sure that the tumor, this thing has not um, metastasized into other areas. Um, metastasis is where the tumor kind of spreads to other areas. It kind of breaks off or migrates to other areas. So they need to do chest x-ray, uh, CT scans, some, some doctors may do PET scans, blood tests, MRI, but you know, it, it all depends on what the doctor wants to do and um, how they're going to figure out or determine that the cancer has not spread to other areas. Normally, if they do an MRI of your uterus, they can actually see a, a big chunk of um, how the tumor is, how it looks, and if it looks like it has spread to other areas. Um, so the final diagnosis of staging, it may not be done until the surgery is actually done, where they take out, they do like a hysterex, um, um, they remove the uterus. What is it called? Hysterectomy. Well, maybe I'm not pronouncing it well. I'll practice on pronunciation. Um, to determine the extent of the tumor. So when they do the staging, they use um, um, a system that is called phagal stages of adenocarcinoma. So this staging is done in uh, Roman numerals and is stage one to four. Four being the worst um staging you can get. That means that the cancer has spread to other areas. So if you Google um, FIGO staging, you can actually see how they stage it. Uh, stage 1, stage 1A, 1B, stage 2, stage 3, stage 3A, stage 3B, uh, stage 3C1, stage three C two and it will tell you how they stage it and um how the um the cancer has spread and what part um it's touching to get all the staging. So stage four is the um, the worst type of staging that somebody can get. That means it has spread to other parts of the body. It's not just uh, contained in the pelvic area. So, and stage four has two other, it's broken down into three parts, stage four, and then stage four A and stage four B. So you can discuss that with your doctor. Now about treatment, treatment for endometrial cancer, usually surgery is done hysteroscopy, uh, hysterect hysterectomy. That's what it is. <laughs> I told you I was going to practice on how to pronounce that. Uh, by now, I hope you know that English is my second language, so I may not always pronounce things right the way they are supposed to, but it's a hysterectomy.
Okay, so um, that is the removal of the uterus. Uh, sometimes the fallopian tubes, if they are affected, they might be removed. Uh, if the ovaries are not affected, usually they are left intact because you need your ovaries so you can produce estrogen and progesterone. Even after menopause, you still need your ovaries. Um, the treatment, so maybe surgery. Um, you could also get radiation. You could get chemotherapy where they use um, drugs to kill cancer cells. Radiation uses heat uh, to kill cancer cells. And there is two types of radiation. There is radiation that they can do from within the body or um, a radiation machine that is outside the body but is directed at where the cancer is. Uh, so the doctor can explain that to you. They might also do hormonal therapy. Let's say if um, your cancer is very responsive to something like estrogen, they might give you hormonal therapy to kind of um, slow down the estrogen production because um, the, uh, the estrogen could be feeding the, the cancer cells. Uh, targeted dr dr drug therapy. This one is more specific. It focuses on different weaknesses that the cancer cells have and is directed at those weaknesses. That is targeted drug therapy. Now, they might also give immunotherapy. Immune, uh, the way they do immunotherapy, and these are very targeted drug therapy and um, immunotherapy are very expensive drugs. So the way the scientists have it, um, they say that your immune system, generally speaking, is supposed to fight cancer cells. Normally, it's supposed to do that. But they say that the cancer cells produce certain proteins that make your immune system blind to, um, to the cancer cells. So they give you immunotherapy, which is um, directed to do what your immune system is naturally supposed to do. So... Your immune system has um, is, is made up of soldiers. It's the defense team for your body. And it has T cells and natural killer cells and macrophages that are supposed to protect a person from um, things in the body that are not supposed to be there. That would be like stuff like viruses, bacteria, fungus, stuff like parasites, and also tumors, cancer cells. Cancer cells are not supposed to be in the body. So something is going on that makes the immune system not be able to detect and destroy the cancer cells. But now let's talk about prevention for a minute before we go to the root Causes and actually, I'm just gonna mention the causes, but I'm not gonna do the root causes because the root cause is different for different people. Um, yeah, it's not always the same for everybody. So, prevention I don't like the prevention they have in the textbooks, but I will tell you what they are anyway. But I, I don't like it anyway. So they were talking about um, asking your doctor to, or talking about hormonal therapy after menopause, um, talking with your doctor about that, the risk factors of 
doing hormonal therapy after menopause. Generally speaking, this is why I don't like it. I, I don't like when we try to do um, extra things for our bodies than the way we were designed to operate. So generally speaking, according to me, people, and I'm postmenopausal, and I'll tell you, I would never, personally speaking, I would never take hormonal therapy after menopause. Some women do it because of the heart flashes, to manage heart flashes, uh, because they are very, they can be annoying, and they can also be very uh, uncomfortable to deal with. So that's why women take uh, hormones after menopause. Years ago, when I started, when I went into the medical industry, just about every woman I met, this was in the U.S. It wasn't happening in Africa, but in the U.S., many women were taking hormonal therapy after menopause. I don't see it as much today, but I'm sure there are still some people who do it. And for me, I would not do it. And this one, the heart flashes, they're being troubling and bothersome. There is something else that's going on with you. And this one also would require a deep dive into your history and what's going on in your life. So the second one they talk about prevention is to consider taking birth control pills at some point in your life. I don't like this one either. No, no, nothing again is birth control pills. But they say if you take birth control pills at least for a year, that the benefits of it could last for years and protect a person from um, getting endometrial cancer. I'm not sure about that. I'm, I jam, I'm just not sure. Anyway, because if you're taking birth control pills and you're taking more hormones, you know, uh, where you're tricking your body to be pregnant when it's not. Uh, anyway, it's confusing for me and some things I don't understand. <laughs> not that I don't understand, but they don't make sense, if you know what I mean. But anyway, consider talking to your doctor about that. Don't just take what I'm saying and take it to the bank. Talk with your doctor about that. But they do say that taking birth control pills, at least for a year, it will protect a person from endometrial cancer. Another one, and this goes without um, saying, and this also goes for many diseases, maintaining a healthy body weight. Now, that one is true, but like I said, um, obesity requires a deep dive into why the person is obese because sometimes they could have another health condition maybe they are taking medication for something else and the medication is making them gain weight so it's not always food that makes people gain weight and it's not always lack of exercise that makes people gain weight there is a whole there is a science to obesity so that one requires a deep dive now I'm coming to the conclusion of this podcast, but I, I cannot leave without talking about what the scientists have discussed or found out, according to research, what the, um, the cause of endometrial cancer is. And this is what they had to say. Doctors do not know what causes endometrial cancer. Let me repeat that. 
Doctors do not know what causes endometrial cancer, but they do. They have found out that something happens that creates a change in the DNA of the endometrium. That means there is a DNA change that affects the lining of the uterus. The DNA change they are talking about is a mutation that turns normal healthy cells into abnormal cells. Um, healthy cells, so to speak, all in, in our bodies we have um, health cells and abnormal cells. For most part, in all our bodies, every part of our body, we do have health cells that multiply, but they also die at a set late. This process of um, being made, working for a little while, and then dying off and being recycled is called programmed cell death. Um, the scientific name for that is apoptosis apoptosis that is programmed cell death and every cell in our body does that um it's also called autophagy where autophagy is also programmed um uh, programmed cell death so um let's say let's talk about your white blood cells for a minute your white blood cells will be made in the bone marrow it takes about a hundred uh, a hundred and um, let's see, it takes about 21 days for a cell to be made and to mature. Um, a white blood cell can be made, you know, from stem cell in your bone marrow and it matures. Um, maybe in the thymus, thymus is another gland that is involved in um, the immune system. The T cells actually that attack cancer. They, ca they come to mature in the thymus gland. The thymus gland is in your chest area, uh, right below your thyroid gland. Um, about, I, I believe it's somewhere, you know, behind the sternum, but, you know, it is involved in the production of um, T cells, which fight, they are part of your soldiers in the body. They fight tumors. So it takes about 21 days. Um, that is three weeks. When it's fully matured, it works for 120 days. That will be um, about four months. I, I would say if it's, it dies quickly, it stays alive and works for 90 to 120 days. For most part, it works for 120 days. And then it goes through a programmed cell death. That means it dies off, it's recycled, it, um, the materials are taken back to the bone marrow, and the whole process starts again. So there are two types of cell death. One of them is called necrosis. Necrosis is where... Um, uh, cells just die. This one is pathological. It's now programmed. They may die too quickly or they stop functioning. You know, that is pathological. Apoptosis is not pathological. It's the way our bodies are supposed to function. So our bodies renew themselves at least every four months. And that process is called apoptosis. Now, cancer cells are very different. They are abnormal. Usually, cancer cells will grow and multiply, and they do this out of control, and they do not 
die. You know, cancer cells, they multiply, they grow and grow out of control, and they do not die. That's how they accumulate and form tumors, you know, or a mass that is not dying the natural programmed cell death. Now, sometimes they will break off. That is called metastasis. It's a Greek word that means, um, it means rapid transition from one point to another. Metastasis is where cancer cells can invade other tissues or separate off and break off from the initial tumor and spread elsewhere. So that is what cancer cells do. Now, I want to leave you with something, um, hopefully, that will give you hope. There's two things when I look at this disease that are going on, the causes. There is the genetic mutation, and the question we need to ask is, why are the genes changing? Why is there a genetic mutation? Uh, as If you have ever listened to any of my podcasts, you know I always say that all diseases are epigenetics. They come, the genetic mutation, the information or the intelligence that is causing the genes to change is actually coming from outside the gene. And that outside is the one, when we do a deep dive, that is what we're going to talk about. The reason why I don't like to do a deep dive here is because many people have been... Um, uh, the way they understand how a human body functions is all different. I know we've gone to school and we've studied science, but there are parts of a human being that we cannot see with our naked eyes. And that is that those hidden parts is what I would like to talk about when we do a deep dive. So depending on how you've grown up, um, what you've been taught, what you know naturally, what your people know. Um, people believe all kinds of things. But that is one thing I would like to talk about when we do a deep dive. Genetic mutation and where this, the force that causes, or the intelligence that causes your genes to change. Where is that coming from? And why is it changing? Now, the second thing I need you to consider that will give you hope is your immune system. Your immune system, naturally speaking, is supposed to defend you against cancer cells. So why, in this case, is your immune system blind to the cancer cell? Why isn't your immune system attacking the cancer cell and destroying it? When we do a deep dive, we're going to talk about those two things. And I know that that will enlighten you. You will learn something and it will also give you hope. Now, if you want to get in touch with me and you're probably listening to this podcast on WhatsApp, you probably already have my number. You can text me. Um, I can do a deep dive with you one-on-one. Uh, if not that, you can get a hold of me on email. My email is alicemonua at hotmail.com. It is an old email. I've had it for many years, over 20 years, and I don't like to change it. Uh, so Alice is A-L-I-C-E-M-U-N-Y-U-A at hotmail.com. Now, I got to warn you that I do not check my email. 
I, I might check it like maybe once, once a week. So I might scroll through it, but you know, it, I might find your email, but you know, don't be surprised if I don't find it. So the best way to get a hold of me for right now is actually on Facebook. I check Facebook every single day. So you got my name, you can uh, inbox me on Facebook and I will be able to do a deep dive with you. The other way you can get a hold of me is stay connected to me, maybe become a subscriber and early, sometime early March 2022, I'll be doing a um, public um, webinar, a deep dive you know, where people can ask me questions and we're going to talk about the five reasons why we get sick. I have identified five reasons why we get sick that have nothing to do with diet or exercise. It don't have anything to do with environmental toxins, none of that. Uh, so five reasons why we get sick. And um, maybe more than 30 reasons why we don't heal because you know our bodies have ability to heal so that's what we're going to be talking about on the webinar and i pray that you will stay connected um and you will be able to get my invitation when it comes out eventually i will get a website a good website where you can get a hold of me, um, you know, so I just give you my website and you go there and you get my contacts and you'll be able to get a hold of me. But in the meantime, we have to do what we have to do. So God bless you. And I pray and I hope that this podcast has helped you and that you will heal from this horrible, horrible disease. And I also pray that you will not um, get surgery because really surgery, let me say one thing about surgery. Yes, you go in, you get the body part removed, but you still do not deal with the root cause. The root cause, there is something going on with your genes. Your genes are changing. And if you don't deal with the root cause, well, if you remove your uterus, the genes will just attack something else. The other issue that's going on is your immune system is not able to fight the cancer. And we need those two questions answered. So surgery, is, that's how most people will, will do it. Uh, they will go get rid of the affected part, but that is not dealing with the uh, the root cause. We still need to deal with the root cause. Otherwise, your uterus will be removed um, a few months later or a few years later, something else will be affected. And we want to put a stop to this. Okay, so God bless you. And I pray that I have said something that can help you and maybe give you hope. I know sometimes maybe that's not what you wanted to hear. But I have um, faith that it is what you needed to hear. Okay, God bless you. Mm -hmm.